week we uh, dealt with uh, the whole question of um, Agunat. And I, I tried within a uh, one-time lecture to give you a little bit background so we could pull right into Ravavadja's uh, Chuva. And of course we spoke about the fact that Midioraita, there's no question that Mindla, Shemla himself, if we will follow Torah principles that we follow all over, there's no question in our minds that the woman should be muteret. Logically speaking, a man who's on a plane that crashes in the ocean, a man who goes to war doesn't come back. Logically speaking, they're dead. But we explained, and that's the whole sugi in Yavamat. Again, I don't know how many of you have learned Yavamat. Yavamat is a very difficult mesechet. It's not the end of Yavamat that's so difficult. It's the start, the middle, where you have to visualize the family relationships. And uh, there are svarim today. I have one sefer, a classic sefer, where it shows pictures. But it's it's so confusing. The pictures, I think, even confuse me more. Uh, Steinsaltz is not bad with the diagrams. They're done more sophisticatedly, but they're not enough. But say, if you know anything, Talmud Chachamim say, Ani, the three most difficult Masechet are Ani, Eruvin, Nida, and Yavamat. So, but the end of Yavamat is not that difficult, and that's where you have all the material and Aguna. You're not dealing with Jeep and Chlitza, you're dealing with the Aguna issue. There's a true, the last two Prakam are the entire source. You know, it's an amazing thing, because in the Torah Shabbat pair, there are very few sources originally on the Aguna issue. And as time passes on, there's no other question that so much has been written about. And for obvious reasons. And yet we say, Chachamim made a Gezeira, Maim Shainla himself, it's a famous Gezeira. The Gemara brings down a few cases where people miraculously survived. And miracles happen. I, 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 I myself, I may have to, I don't know if I have to bench Gremel, I have to think about it, but just if you know before class, the window right outside broke. I walked out. I was at the door. when This door. I was at the door opening it when the window crashes out. Had I walked out another second, uh, the, the, the glass would have been all over me. And, uh, you know, miracles happen in life. People survive. And the Gemara brings down two cases. One Rabbi Akiva, one with Rabbi Meir. And that's why they made the Gezeira. And as I said, again, this is something I've, uh, Jack has heard me say over the last decade many times. There are various d- different types of questions. Uh, there's one topic I'll admit I'm a great, exper- a great expert on. Okay, I don't want to admit too much. But on one topic I'll admit I'm a great expert, Yantav Shaini. So I get a lot of calls on Yantav Shaini. I never, I never get... I never get uh, upset when someone asks me a shail in Yantav Shaini. Because uh, the truth is, it's a Durabanan. Uh, there's a tremendous machloket. If you want to be a joker, you can say, no matter what you're passing, you can't be wrong, you can't be right. And there's a lot of truth to that. No matter what you're passing with Yantav Shaini, you're not going to be wrong, you're not going to be right. But Yantav Shaini is Yantav Shaini. When you deal with Aguni, you're dealing with Eshetish, you're dealing with Mamzeret. This is a question, and if you make a mistake, like I told you last week, and we'll see later this year, our most fascinating and most important lectures will deal with a real-life case where they made a mistake. Gadol Yisrael made a mistake, and the kids are in Ponovich Yeshiva, and uh, this, these kids can be Mamzerim. Very serious. So this is Maim Shenla himself. And then I explained, but in order to undo Maim Shenla himself, if you have Trey Rubei, 
nothing can stand in the way of a fake fake. And those of you who know the, I mean, here you're coming into the heart of Sak, Suffolk the right to Lechumra, Suffolk the Rabbanan Lakula, but even with a Suffolk the right to Lechumra, when they're two Sveikaran, and this is what all the Psak is based upon. You see, when you take uh, the responsible literature, and I don't have to tell you how many hundreds of thousands of pages there are of responsible literature, what do they do in responsible literature? Like, you take a question, a simple question, which in Israel is a very widespread question, an automatic elevator on Shabbat. In America, somehow, uh, you don't see too many automatic elevators. But in Israel, where you have Baruch Hashem, a Jewish state, and a, a, a large percentage of the population is Shoah Torah Mitzvot, so uh, you have a lot of automatic elevators. And here you have an interesting question. Can you use an automatic elevator on Shabbat? And what's involved? Well, there are many questions involved, but the most basic question, your weight either makes the elevator work harder, or coming down, it makes the elevator work less. You're regenerating electricity. Those of you who know physics know what I'm saying. So going up, the more weight you have, the harder the elevator has to work. Coming down, the more weight you have, you're actually regenerating electricity. And this basically is the question. There are other questions involved. The door, the opening, the completion of the cycle of the Dechol. But if you look at all the literature written on an automatic elevator, what do they do? The Metzav Shita, that it could be, it's a Metasek, it's Psikresha Deni Nichalei. It's Malach Hashem Etzrich Legufa. You understand? It's Enu Mitkaven. And you Mitzarev, one Shita after another. And when you're finished, you can show that although you began with a Suffolk, he said, you're right, uh, but since there's so many Shittar here, one Suffolk, another Suffolk, so that's how we make heal. This is the heart of Psak. If you have a question with, with dishes, well, whatever the questions are, this is the heart of Psak. You have a question with Tafas, and, and again, you have to, if you can't find Sveikot, you could never be make heal. If you can find Sveikot, then you could be Mitzahav Shittar. And this is Psak. You have to have a feeling. You have to have a feeling for it. This is Rep. Moshe. These are specialists. You see in the... Um, I, I give a lecture today. I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what happened to me. Um, I, this past summer, I was scholar in residence in, in Harrisburg, uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So some of you may know I have a special connection to Harrisburg simply because my second volume, my second published book was on Rebleza Silva. And Rebleza Silva began his career in America as the Reverend Harrisburg. As a matter of fact, Rebleza Silva is one of the rare examples, if you know the story of the rabbinate, I, I heard this, listen, the story of the rabbinate in the, in the 20th century, all the European rabbinim who came to America basically never learned the word here, those that went to rabbinate. Whatever they knew, they knew from Europe. But Rebleza Silva was a rare exception. He came to America quite young, and he wasn't that great of London yet. And in Harrisburg, where the rabbinate didn't make many demands on him, he spent something like 17 years sitting and learning endless hours a day. And he became an Adam Gottel right in America. And so I have a connection with Harrisburg. So long distance, like, uh, like boy, boys, I can't take any whispering. Long distance, uh, if you know my books on the Rav, uh, it's Liacha Meissen, now it's finished. But I lost about a year because I was here and they were in Hoboken, New Jersey. And with all the instant communication, it's not the same. Long distance, something goes wrong. So when they were arranging the three uh, lectures I'd be giving in Harrisburg over Shabbat and Sunday, a communal-wide lecture. So for Shabbos afternoon, I thought the shear would be on 
the multifacetedness of the Rav. I come to Harrisburg, I take a look on Shabbos, I see the lecture is announced, the Rav and his approach to Psak Halacha. How that happened, there's an expression in Yiddish, how that cat turned into a dog, I don't know. But on Shabbos, I don't want, you know, if that's what they announced, that's what they announced. On Shabbos, I made up a lecture in my mind. And it turned out so nice, so good, it was so well received, that after Shabbos, I wrote it up, and I'll be giving it again in West Hempstead, in, in, in November. So, um, in that lecture, I made a very simple point. With all that's being said about the Rav, and I don't have to tell you, you fellas are well aware, the storms are, ver- are raging, as if the Rav was a medieval figure, as if there's no one yet alive, who knew the Rav, and even those who knew the Rav, when you hear Saul Berman speak about the Rav, and you hear Rabbi Heschel Shechter speak about the Rav, you hear Rabbi Abraham Spiegel speak about the Rav, and Yitz Greenberg speak about the Rav, you can blow your brains out. The man must have been a mystic. He must have appeared differently every moment of time. And believe me, the Rav was so far from mysticism, like I'm right now from dancing with Ehud Barak, the Prime Minister of the State of Israel. So, uh, so, so, one thing the Rav was not. With all the claims on the Rav, he was not a posek. This was not the Rav. This was not his specialty. I can't go into details now. Some of you know this. Some of you will hear me lecture on it at a certain point. Brisk and the legend did not turn out poskim. But Rav Moshe, who never studied in a yeshiva, see, that was Rav Moshe's gauntlet, that he didn't go to... Uh, to, to Voloshin, of course, Rav Moshe couldn't have gone to Voloshin. Voloshin closed when he was a little boy. But Rav Moshe didn't go to Slabatka, didn't go to Tales, was unaffected by Rav Chaim, Rav Chaim Briskis Derech, Rav Chaim Telsh, Rav Chaim Rabinovich's Derech. So Rav Moshe, Taka, grew up under the tutelage of his father, Rav Pesach Pruskin, the Shikol of Rav. That was a posek. If Rav Avadja had studied in a Briskis setting, he wouldn't be a posek either. And, 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 but this is what Psak is, this is the key. When you look at all these farms, you look at a tshuva, you, you notice in the, a big time with Chachman, also Psak is about a look at a tshuva, you can go through it like this. What does it mean? If you know the sujas, you just want to see what the Posek is doing. What shita does he being Mitzarev? And this is classic, and this is Anguna with the Sveik Sveika. Now, just give me one more second, I just want to add one thing to last week's share. With all that I prepared my mind, I left out one important point, and and uh, Mendy hit me over the head right after Shia with the exact question. I said, why didn't you ask me during Shia? And it's very simple. He asked the following. I mentioned in passing that the classic Aguna is different than the contemporary Aguna because the contemporary Aguna, we know where the man is. He's alive, he's kicking, he's cursing, he's maledicting, he's torturing her. I mean, this is, this is modern life. Uh, what's happened in modern life, this, uh, again, your generation can't understand it. My generation, uh, I mean, just this morning I'm told someone I know, seven children, Haredi, Bnei Kivikir, who became Haredi, and he's, whatever it is, they're having marital problems. Marital problems. Seven children. Marital problems. Whoever heard of that word? When we got married, no one, I mean, today when you got married, in every wedding, if there's a card of a lawyer or a, or a toenet rabbanis, so when you're ready to get divorced, you'll know who to turn to. When we got married, we were Catholics. Who thought of divorce? Who heard of divorce? What? When, who divorced? You work it out. Today, today, it's a different world. And it's a terrible problem because these men are real and they're torturing women. And I've heard stories, I mean, from my daughter, I hear stories. Uh, 
My, my daughter is the first female rabbinic lawyer. In, uh, she's now also a second. It's unbelievable what that girl has achieved, but that's a different story. I, I don't know whether to be happy or sad. I'm just listening to Saul Berman speak about women out in the big world, and I don't know when you have a flock of kids and you're never home. And but anyway, that's the reality. We can't get the genie back into the bottle. But my daughter tells me stories, men from guys. She just got a case now. A woman turned to her. A case now. I couldn't believe my ears. This woman got a husmana lebeit in Los Angeles. She didn't respond to the husmana. She's married to an Israeli. The next thing she knows, the guy's remarrying in Israel with a big wedding. He's happily remarried. Never settles on. Never gave regret. Never anything. And now my daughter has to unravel it. Yeah, it could be a hetamay rabbanim. I don't know. That's what we have to find out. But how do you give a hetta today? What? When? Where? Oh. Anyway, let me just finish at one point. Then I'll open it for two questions. So. Mendy asked a wonderful question. A guy goes into the Israeli army. He goes up to Lebanon. His unit is under attack. He just goes underground. Let my wife suffer. I hate her. Going to remarry. Forget it. How can you go with Trey Rube? A guy gets into a plane. The plane crashes. The guy floated to Shua. The first thing he does when he reaches the Shua, thank God I'll never tell that shrew that I'm alive. I'm finished with her. Runs to the bank, pulls out all his money, let her drop dead 55 times over. I'm finished with her. It's a good question. Wonderful question. What I left out was one point. race. It's actually a Mishnah. Shalom la shalom la. All these assumptions, and we spoke about this last year, and it, it appears in every Shuvah, all these assumptions are based upon one fact, that the couple has a decent marriage. I can't say shalom lo shalom la. I'm not going to tell you that a couple never had a fight. When I first got married, of course, it's normal, you fight. Can't you remember the last time I had a spat with my wife? I don't know if it's more than a generation ago, a generation and a half ago, 20, 30 years ago, when you first get married. You know, you're a little self-centered, you're stubborn. Uh, a man, by nature, has never been whipped into shape. Uh, women, women shape up a lot early and a lot quicker than men. And I have to tell you, there are reasons why. Biological, psychological reasons. A woman at 18 is mature. A man at 18 is a monkey eating bananas, uh, jumping around a tree with lettuce and strawberries in the other hand. You understand? There's a big difference. Shragaya, nothing to laugh. These are facts, absolute facts. Look at that here. This is why women don't need mitzvah tasesha as man grammar. Look at look at that here. It's absolutely so. So uh, you might, but it means what does it mean? Reasonably happy, reasonably married, a normal person. You love your wife. You care about your wife. The first thing you're going to do if you survive is you're going to call your wife. That's the first thing you're going to do. Normally, people travel, so people who love you say, hey, give us a call when you arrive. Let us know you got there safely. So, uh, Mendy, you're absolutely right. In order for the principle of Trey Rube to apply and everything we spoke about, you would have to know that we don't have to be suspect that the man was out to mess up his wife, to torture her, as the Mishnah says it, Shalom lo v'shalom la. And that's the basic principle. And we spoke about that in great depth last year. And of course, what I ended up last week's class with was the Yavad Zichro, which in modern times becomes a tremendous... You see, here's a Shittat Rishonim that the Rishonim dismissed. They laughed at it. Whoever heard of it? The Raviyah, who, who, what, what is this? Neviot, the, the, whoever heard of such a thing? But 
as the centuries pass by, the Avad Zechro becomes bigger and bigger. Because remember, it's an amazing world. The telephone, the fax, the email. It's such a such an amazing world today. I can barely understand it. I'm on just the outer edge of it. But today, people don't have to shop uh, books, everything. The shop's thing tells me over a thousand orders of the Rav without any publicity from a website alone of Ketav. You understand? He upped the first printing from three to five because he saw how many orders he got already without any effort whatsoever. God, who knows what a website is? Who can understand this? And, and, you, and you punch in your name, your card, your credit card, and then two weeks later, it's delivered to your door. It's, it's just beyond comprehension. But but in a world like this, the Avad is overwhelming. This is the Khatam Sofa, and this is Rabbi Yitzchokhanan's Spectre. And as I said last week, Rabbi Yitzchokhanan turned it into a formal format, gave us the outline. And that's where we spent Ravavadja, the first part of the of the uh, Yom Kippur War. We were dealing with the diskettes, the disc, the identity disc. We were dealing with um, the, the 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 clothes, and uh, we don't have to be l'sheila. And this is something that it's absolute identity. Okay, I'm ready to go further, but there were two questions. Yes, Duker. I, I, I do I have the list. I, everyone who's in the class, please fill in, then give it back to me. I want to work. I want to start learning names. Yes, Ailey, Ailey, right? Yeah, Ailey, Ailey, uh, that, that's Al-Kanab, with Shmuel, with Ailey, gotcha. I, I don't know, I was confused, but that's it, gotcha. No, 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 Ailey, right away you're believing the big lie that there were problems. People, uh, pe- why, why did, we were different, <laughs> look, look, I, I'm only going to take Ailey, I'm going to, Ailey, I'm going to tell you one thing now. And I, this is Hashkafa, and I don't have time to waste on Hashkafa this year. I told you. Last year was a disgrace. A hundred guys walked in to hear my foolish Hashkafa, but they hear the Rebs Torah, there were six, seven, maybe ten guys in the room. You understand? It was a mamish disgrace for the Rebs' memory, but I never say anything in public, so I bit my tongue and continued to sprout Hashkafa last year, but this year I said, oh no, this time the Rev has to come out on top, not on Rakefet. Uh, let, let, me, let, let me just, let me, let me just, you see, you talk about the 50s. You talk about... Let me explain to you what it's all about. What I read um, just now is that Milton Berle uh, celebrated, I believe, his 90th birthday. 91st birthday. Would I read it in Lost at Jerusalem Post or something? Milton Berle, a shake, it's a nice vaf, a bum, an apikores, a machalo shabbos. But Milton Berle put television on the map in America. You cannot believe the revolution in the early 50s when the little 10-inch filco boxes came into every house in the Bronx where I live, black and white, and Tuesday night was Texaco hour, and you had Milton Burrow with his mother sitting in the audience, and, and she would laugh, he would say, Mom, I'll pay you after the show, and every, every Yidn, every Yidna, and every Yeshiva boy, and every Taliana, every Italian, because we had Simon, and every Irish drunkard who stopped drinking, everyone was glued to the TV to watch Milton Burrow. Hirsch, listen to what I'm about to say. This is, if I ever said something with genius, this is it. But uh, let's see if these fellas start to comprehend me. They're sitting here, watch. Then came one terrible Tuesday night when the Boston Red Sox, do you understand that? Came into the Bronx 
to play the Yankees, the hated Red Sox. The Yankee Red Sox, I have two big volumes that I haven't even read yet, all about the rivalry, Williams versus DiMaggio, Dominic versus Brother Joe. And the game is televised, and it's on the same time as the Texaco Hour. My dear friends, that's when you learned in life how to compromise. The family put it to a vote, you couldn't do both. It was a different world. Today, you fellas don't even understand what I'm talking about. You watch one, you video the other. You have screens going, divided into 16. You can run two shows at once, 16 at once. You can have two videos going. I had guys in BMT, an honest story, a very wealthy Western family, a tribe, hundreds of descendants, multi, multi millionaires. They had factories a square mile long and B'nai Taira. And they told me, and they showed me a picture of the family when all the grandchildren, it was overwhelming. And they told me on Shabbos, the football, the game of the week, videos going on Shabbos. I'm not saying it's us, sir. One, 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 God forbid they should miss a minute. One catches two minutes, two hours. The other one begins five before the two hours. The other two hours for sure. After Shabbos, in the factory, they had copying machines set up. Sunday morning at Minion, every member of the family has the game of the week in his video at Minion, 49 copies given out. You understand the difference? Ellie, don't believe that malarkey that in the 1950s, every Rakefit got married, Rothkopf got married, he beat his wife. But then you didn't talk about it. Now we talk about it. Please. The 50s were the 50s, but that's not for now. I'm in the 50s. I'm with my Rebbe. I don't want to grow up. I, you, didn't, you didn't hear my eulogy of Joe DiMaggio last year. What do you want out of me? Ellie, Ellie, you cannot learn Torah without hearing my eulogy of Joe DiMaggio. Last year, and unfortunately what I gave Tuesday, a different version from the round, it wasn't recorded, but the one last, what was it, April 26th, Sign a Quinan requirement if you want to know what Torah is about, teaching Torah and living Torah, and let it end there, please. Now, what was the other question? Yes, Shraga, something troubled you. No, 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 listen, listen, listen. The briskers have one problem. You can play games with chauffeur when you want to be say all the shitat. You can play games with Chveis Halel and Leil Haseda, with a bracha, without a bracha, the Kavana. You can play all these games. When it comes to a woman standing in front of you, either she can remarry you or she can't remarry. So what the briskers used to do is the famous story. I have it in my book. I heard it from the Rav. Said it in class a thousand times over. Was the famous story in Brisk with the Get Agun. You know what a Get Agun means? The con- ask me, Get Agun. It's crazy. What am I saying? Get Aguna means when the man gave the get, there's a shaila on the get, and if you don't, if you can't be machshu the get, she will remain an Aguna. There was a story in Bris, maybe it's your great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, uh, Ellie Dukas family goes back in America a long time, could be it's your great-great-grandfather, was going to America, gave his wife didn't want to go, didn't want to leave her parents, he gave her a get. When he's on the boat, and remember this is a hundred years ago before instant communication, they see the name was misspelled. If they're not machshir, they get the woman remains in a gun. It was a case like it's a real case in Bris. 
Reb Chaim was going out of his mind. The Briskadain was going out of his mind. So finally, Reb Simcha Zalek Briskadain. So finally they said, Reb Chaim said to Reb Simcha Zalek, write up the question with all the details, send it to Reb Yitzchol Chanan, Specter, and tell him to telegram us a one-word answer. Kasher, Pasol. So the Briskadayan did what Reb Chaim said. The Talmidim standing around said, the Rebbe, we don't understand you. Reb Yitzchol wrote so many Svarim, so many Tshuvat. Let him write you a long Tshuvah. Why do you want a one-word answer? So Reb Chaim said, don't you understand? No matter what he will answer me, I will see the opposite side. I will refute him. I call him upschlagen. But as the Posek Hadar, I'll accept his one-word answer. And that's the answer to your question. Okay. Now, I... I Okay, I want to I want to move on because the the year is pressing upon me. Now, he deals with another problem here, which she is not the first one. Argumentel, I know. Mendi Harari, I know. Ruven Bashnak. Ruven, who's Ruven? Ruven Bashnak. One second. You're the Talmud of Meisha Weinberger, so you and you and my grandson and now my son. I got you. Okay, Ruven, great. Uh, Ruven, this problem we spoke about last year, and uh, Rabbi Vajra deals with it as well. Uh, one of the great inventions in the 19th century was photography. And here you're going to involve with the question of identity of a body through photography. Now, first of all, if those of you familiar with the Sugin Yuvamat, within three days, you can still identify a face. By the end of three days, rigor mortis is totally set in. It's impossible to identify. I'm not even certain you can do it within three days. What it means is, if you can do it, if you can do it at all, Ruvain, it's only within three days. That's what it means. I know with my father's Zechonel of Racha, the Chaver Kaddisha, I don't know, they have Minhagam here that can drive you to drink, but one of them Minhagam, they had me put sand in his eyes. So I couldn't recognize my father. What can I tell you? Couldn't recognize him. And that was within three days, believe me. But at least within three days, it's possible to recognize. Now, again, there's a lot of common sense here. You know what I mean by this? I once saw a movie when I was a kid, and I'm told that there are variations of this theme time and again, Egli. Uh, um, they, a guy murdered someone, and they can't find the body, and it's a detective mystery in the Antarctic. And finally, 30 years later, they chop through the ice, and there's the body perfectly preserved as if he had been killed the minute before, and they're now able to solve the murder 25 years later. So obviously, if someone dies in the fashion I just described, you can describe the face, you can recognize the face 25, 30 years later. But logically speaking, within three days you take a picture. Now, all police departments today, when you find the body, you have a police photographer, you take a picture right away. The army, as well, the minute bodies are recovered, Pictures are taken. If there's any problem of identity, pictures are taken. And here, of course, the question comes up, can you depend upon this picture as proper identity if those that knew him claim we can tell you that this is his picture? And you're going to involve, what does it mean identity through pictures? Is it simonim? Is it... uh, Identity, and I'll tell you what I mean by that. You see, when we speak in terms of a tviyadayin, I recognize a person. How do I know you are you? How do I know you're the person? 
How do you know your wife is your wife? You understand? A, uh, a, a, the Gemara deals with a person who mistakenly sleeps with his sister-in-law because he confuses her with his wife. It's considered a showgate. But how, how do you know you're you? How do you know your wife is your wife? So what we say is there's a Tviyatayin. And a Tviyatayin, is, this is not, it's not a, not a Siman. This is much more. I know it's you. It, it's not like uh, we recognize each other. Eli Duker is Eli Duker. Aaron Rakevet is Aaron Rakevet. We recognize each other. That's the greatest identification in the world. When you deal in terms of a picture, a photograph, maybe it's a simon. What type of simon is it? You see, when you talk in terms of a simon, to be Mater Anisha, you're going to involve in the Homach like it. We spoke about this last year. What do you mean, simonim, when you return? Let's say you found the coat. And someone says, that's my coat. How do I know it's your coat? So he gives simanim. Why are you returning it? Is it a dindi or writer? Or is it a darabanim with neidakai shalom? It's a homach like it. But see, a picture is, if it is a siman, and not just tviyatayin, but if it's a siman which is less than tviyatayin, it's a siman mufak. No two pictures are alike. And certainly if the wife or people who know the man say, this is the man's picture, it's a big rove to be mater. If this is the picture of the person they found, this is the person. This is at the least the simon mafak. Combine that with a vad you certainly have a sveik sveika. And he quotes the Nitziv, he quotes the Yitzchokhan inspector here, he quotes all the svarim we quoted earlier, that we quoted last year, and he shows how important a, a, a identity of a picture can be. Now, let me just go one step further on this topic, then you can, I'll open it to questions. How do we know that pictures, what do we, where do we find this? Where is there a mocha? Where in Chazal do you deal with it? And Rav brings down two makarot that are irrefutable. One, of course, is Rav Gamliel. Doesn't the Mishnah tell us that Rav Gamliel had in his attic an entire chart of pictures of the moon? And when the Adam used to come, what did he say to them? Hakazereita, Hakazereita, Ramarite Ruvain, did you see like this? Did you see like this? Danny, you see, a person can bring about a new moon, can bring about Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Pesach. Think for a minute what you do when you're Adam, all on the basis of charts on the wall. That's one tremendous source that pictures count. Another source, is the Sugyanita. When a woman comes and she wants to identify the color of the blood with the Shela, whether or not uh, this blood is, makes her, gives her a din of a or not, doesn't the Gemara quote a case where she's allowed to say, ah, oh, this is the color that I saw. Kizeraiti, the Avatati. I lost the Ebedika. But this was the color of the blood that I saw. How many of you studied with Rabbi Shadavat Tenla, Rabbi Tenla? How many of you were telling them? Doesn't Rabbi Tenla, I'm told, have a chart of various colors of blood, which when women come to ask him is Sheila, he shows them the chart and he asks them to identify where did the ketan that you're talking about, what was the color of the stain? So we see here, one second, Shrakai, we see here, Another tremendous source that pictures are very important. Halachal Maisa Ravavajapaskins that in an army circumstance where there are pictures, 
where the picture was taken within three days after the battle, after the assumed death. If you have identity of the pictures, together with the Avad Zichro, you have a built-in Sveik Sveika, a built-in Trey Rube, and he absolutely continues in the tradition of Rabbi Shochan Inspector, of the Nitziva Volashin, who were the first to deal with it, that there is pictures may not even be a simon, it may be above a simon, it may be a tviatayin. If that's the case, you basically not, need nothing else. But even if you hold it's a simon, it's a simon mufak. And you put it together with the avad zichro, it's possible lahatir b'shefi. Okay, this is as far as pictures go. Yes, wait, what is your name? Name, name. I can't hear. Yeah, one second. We met on Shabbos. Seth, Seth. Is you for what? No, I didn't have Shri. I had an early in the afternoon. Right, right. Shlishi. In the morning, you daven with us too. At the, at the, 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 the don't admit that you daven. That's admit, That's the, the minion that doesn't daven. You understand? Uh, no, I was. And, and what do you mean? My, my Shabbos hat. I was wearing it in the afternoon. Yeah, no, I was wearing it. No, no. In the morning too, I wear it. Beside you're, you're right, Seth. I had Shlishi. Yashakayach. Bruchum to you. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you're talking about to be mother a woman who can't get a get by watching the video and seeing if anything was done wrong at the marriage ceremony? Yeah. Yeah, but wait, 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 wait. You need Adam at a get. You need Adam at Tina to have to see the get being given. That creates Kiyum A video can't take the place of that. No, I thought you meant something else, which is a real case. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. We have a terrible problem today. Again, you see, you're living in a world where you never had to choose between Newton Burl and the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees. So, you know, you have an Eastern Torah. It may be, it's probably a deal right. Again, it's a sugya, what we call a zona, a And But anyway, Halach Lemaisa, Cohen cannot marry a Goya. But then you have what's Mufurish in the Torah, a Kohen can't marry a Grusha. That already doesn't require any pilpul. You understand? The Zonar is, 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 is a Giorat. A, a, a Goya has a Chalois, has a, I don't know how to say it in, in proper Hebrew, a Chalot Shem Zonar. Zonar doesn't mean harlot. It doesn't mean, you see, people have, you know, you say, you, you want to smack the person's face. What kind of bigot are you? It's nothing, it's nothing to do with our concept of harlotry. A Zonar is what, a non-Jewish woman is called, period. Nothing to do with harlotry. But the zona, a Kohen cannot marry. A Yisrael or a Levi can, a Kohen can't. A Grusha, a Grusha is the writer. So uh, you have terrible problems today. Meisen b'chol yom, kohanim marrying Grushat. God have mercy. So uh, one case in America... I can't, I can't speak if you whisper. And Danny, please. One case in America. There was a terrible case. It involved a student of mine. A very sad case. I'm, some of you know the case, but I don't want to mention the name. It was a terrible, terrible case. A tragedy of tragedies. This boy's life, God should bless him, but he's had a hard life. 
So he fell in love, was no youngster, and fell in love with all things Akrusha. And they were trying desperately to find the Heta. And one of the things they did, which was unbelievable, the Rabbanim viewed the video of the wedding, the original wedding, to try to see whether there was anything that was done wrong at the original wedding ceremony where she married, in the hopes they can then claim that she wasn't married. Now, I have to tell you, they finally found something. And they did find something, not through the video, but it turned out that one of the Adem was Machalu Shabbos. It turned out the story was very simple. I don't want to mention the Rav who was Masada Kedushin was the girl's Rebbe. was a, a Rav, a very famous Rabbi Yeresha, Mayim a thousand percent. It's the girl's Rebbe. The girl was a Balachava. And she went to Stern. And she had become from Baruch Hashem. And this was her Rebbe. And she was very close to him. And she asked this Rebbe, her teacher, to be, who was also a very prominent practicing rabbi, but it was her Rebbe in Stern College. She asked this rabbi to be Masada Kaddishan. He said to the young couple when he met with them that Minig Yisrael is that both the Chatan and the Kala each provide an aid for under the Chuppah. So he asked the Chatan, do you have an aid? The Chatan said, yeah, I'll let you know. Pick the friend of his from YU. And the Kala picked this man who was a, who was a Holocaust survivor, who was her landlord. Evidently she was from out of town. She rented from him. And she was friendly with this man. And you have to understand, there's a certain type of survivor that you fellas don't know anymore, but I knew very well. There were Yiddish mention, but they weren't totally from. These were people like the Svadim in Israel used to be. Shas today is creating a revolution. But when I came in Aliyah, Svadim loved Torah. Many of them were Mahalo Shabbos, but they loved Torah. It's, it's a certain, a certain uh, genre that you don't have anymore. Even in America it's disappearing. This girl, being a Balachiva, didn't realize, and she didn't fully understand. She knew this man is the Yiddish man. She goes to Shul Shabbos, his home is kosher. She did not know that he wrote the Shul in a bus, that he, did, that he ate in unkosher restaurants. So on that basis, they said her first marriage was no good. There was no two kosher ate him, and they permitted the Kohen to marry the Garusha. The tragedy is that if the heavens and earth were turned over, and Rabbi Vajay Yosef was matir, and I remember they had the, the minute he gave the hetter, within a few days they had the wedding in Yerushalayim, and people were invited on the streets, the marriage didn't even survive one year. Ailey, you see the difference between the 1990s to the 1950s when heaven and earth was turned over. And by the way, Rav Ovadji was so badly burned in that incident because the whole world, you know, Rav Ovadji, you're safe. When he paskins, the whole world knows the criticism, what went on. Subsequently, I don't know of any case where he was matter according to a Grisha. I know people came to me with cases and I said to them, get to Rav Ovadji, you're safe. Maybe you have a chance. He would even deal with it. He said, absolutely not. He had enough aggravation with the case I'm talking about, and he wouldn't deal with it. Excuse me? 
few years ago. Uh, five, to me, time stands still. Maybe it's five, six, seven years ago. To me, it's a few years ago. Okay? But I thought that's what you're asking me. But that's amazing how they used the video to, re- to relive the marriage ceremony in the hopes that maybe it was in the guy's ring, maybe the aid, maybe they went miyachereidim. Understand? If you're not miyachereidim, aid, you know what I'm talking about? So you have a big crowd watching. Among the crowd, a krovei mishpacha, a machalalei shabbos, among the crowd, you understand? So aidet shabatla mikzata, Butler Kula, if, uh, maybe we can, uh, listen, there's a lot of lambdas involved here. I can, and maybe we're not Kohanim Vadayim, but those of you who are Kohanim know you're only Kohanim Mitzat Safek, we're not a Vadayik, it's like Yimot HaMashiach. Anyway, be it as it may, I thought that's what you're asking. But, Einachinami, why not? Laman Biru Dava, you can use a video. But Laman Kiyam Dava, I thought, if you're asking me that the guy can give a get in front of a video, a video can't take the place of Adam. No way. Impossible. Adam created. It's, it's intrinsic to the very problem of the creator. That's the Machlekit in the Gemara. Eidei Chatima Kasei or Eidei Natina Kartei. That's intrinsic to the whole Machlekit, the whole concept. Okay. Yes. Shragai. No, 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 so Shraga is asking, what about if you have a skilled, a skilled artist who can draw an absolute picture? You're right, but it's just not Shaykh that on a battlefield, artists are going to go up and down drawing pictures of the Chalalim. You understand the Mitziyot? If the police department fishes a body out of, but I have to tell you, in the 1870s already, they talk about teams, about the English police, they already had a photographer. And in my, uh, the shoe that I built from the ground, the first Machitza shoe in suburban Essex County, Maplewood South Orange, Beth Ephraim, where I was rabbi from 62 to 69, from where I went on Aliyah. So I can tell you that in the shul, I have pictures and today, beautiful pictures of the shul, of, you know, myself speaking, that the president, the president of the sisterhood, who knows who's alive yet, in those pictures and uh, the photographer where did we get a little shul a little orthodox shul how did we get such a classy photographer Herbert Donner was the police photographer and our joke used to be that when Herb takes your picture there's always a number on it you follow me but he was the police I mean he wasn't he wasn't from or anything he was called whenever there was a car crash it, it didn't matter Shabbos Yantam I think Jim Kippur was the only time of the year that the police knew they can't call him to take pictures one of the amateurs have to take pictures but outside of that he was the police photographer and he told me that and his job is an amazing job someone who loves photography he did nothing else but take pictures he was on call 24 hours a day, he barely worked. I mean, if you figure in a 24 hour day, maybe it needed him four times, five times, how many times? But the trade-off was he was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but he had fancy police equipment to take pictures. And you know, in Newark, if you, if he was in Newark, we were the suburb. Newark was a city corrupt from start to finish. Out there, Nizio was the mayor. When I went in there, I hear in Voice of America, he got 15 years in jail. He was taking, you know, he made Ari Berry look like a choir boy. But, uh, but I remember, I remember that there was never a Shiloh to use the police camera for a shul. Of course, what's the question? Our honor, you understand, America's not Israel. Israel merits would be up and arms. Police camera used to photograph like Kefid Shayur. You understand what go on? But in America, respect for religion, the honor of the police, that our camera was used. Now, then, there's another question he raises, which we'll go into more length later today, uh, next week, but I have to tell you, this question, this may be one of the first times the question is raised. And here you're dealing with uh, fingerprints. 
and uh, and and um, teeth uh, teeth charts as well. Now, what's involved here, and there, there it's a very very fascinating uh, the literature here and what he quotes here. Um, and you see the development of life reflects here the improvement of life. It's amazing how it reflects in the chiva. Let, let's begin first with, with teeth. All of us are born basically with the same type of teeth. Baby, a tooth comes in, you get all excited. First tooth, the second tooth, you have to give, uh, I forget already what I paid my, my, my grandchildren, a shekel apiece. Their other grandfather's wealthier, I think, from their other grandfather, they got ten shekels. From me, they got a shekel. So, uh, what can I tell you? He's an engineer, and I'm a, I'm a rebbe. But uh, all of us have the same teeth. Same amount of teeth. Baby teeth. Adult teeth. Tell me, there are 20 plus people sitting in this room now. No two of us have the same teeth. Why? What happens is, over the years, fillings, teeth change, uh, how the fillings were done. I remember when I was a kid, everything was done with some sort of platinum, silver. I don't know what it was exactly. Anyone from Russia knows what characterizes Russians? Golden teeth. Today, my son-in-law, uh, I don't know what it is, it's all white, he rebuilds my teeth, there are no fillings, I don't know what to call it, I don't know what he uses, it's, it's a different world today. Blousting. Blousting. Did I teach any of your siblings? Blousting. Uh, Ellie, what he quotes here is, and this is fascinating, that nowadays, Shenis Rabbeh Ke'ev Hashinayim, our V'yesh Habeh Shinayim Nekuvim B'vnei Adam. He says, nowadays we have so many pains in our teeth, and we have so many fillings, that each one's fillings are different. And he speaks in terms of the stimat in the mouth. Gentlemen, what's he saying here? And you see, you can view it two different ways. It's an amazing, an amazing line. He's calling the Arachashuchan. You'll see Arachashuchan, Ebenezer, Simon, Yudzayan, Ot Kufayim, Gimel, in the Arachashuchan. And he's quoting that, Bismanenu Shitanabek, Keva Shinayim, What's he talking about? I can view it one of two ways. Number one, proper dental care is a luxury. It's a sign of an advanced civilization. The Russians, the Soviet Empire, dental care was on a very primitive level. So it could very well be in a primitive society, you have a pain in your mouth, you have a toothache, there's nothing you can do about it, you live with it, and, and somehow it, it, it solves itself or the tooth disappears, whatever it is. In a more sophisticated society, we take care of our teeth. All of us sitting in this room, have a at your age, you probably have more to do with a dentist than a doctor. At my age, it's the reverse. I have more to do with a doctor than a dentist. But think what I'm saying. At your age, having a dentist is a sign of koinon. 
And when you came to Israel, one of the things you asked, if I should have a problem with my teeth, where do I find a properly trained dentist? Because, you know, in Israel, dental care, medical care, it's very uneven. The average medical dental care is good, but it's very uneven. You have great doctors and poor doctors. Great dentists, but depends where they were trained. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is, no, people didn't live with paints in their teeth. They always went to a dentist, even if it was a primitive society. But the difference is, nowadays we eat so much junk food, so much sugar. Nowadays, so many of us are overweight. Think what I'm saying. When I was growing up, I don't remember people being overweight. It's a fascinating thought. The whole diet was much more basic and much more healthy. Nowadays, today, take a look what you have, Seth. Pringles all over Israel. No one can avoid it. They're conquering the market. Cheaper than the locally produced products. The more Pringles you eat, the mortician is licking his chops. You understand? Nowadays, take a look what you have in Israel. Dunkin' Donuts. Pure sugar. Dunkin' Donuts. Kosher. Kentucky Fried. Kosher. Nathan's. Think what you're eating. Sauerkraut, mustard, pickles, destroys the teeth, the acid. So you see, Hirsch? Either way, I can interpret that Orach HaShulchan. But it's fascinating that the Orach HaShulchan, what's he saying here? But every word is true. You have to understand that he's absolutely right. Either either it's Lishvach, that we have better dental care, or it's not so much Lishvach. Our diets are much worse. But either way you look at it, you have to have different teeth. If this is the case, it's a simon mufak. Absolute identity. <coughs> and all of you know, what survives in the dust, what survives in the dust are the teeth and the hair. And all of you know, even what was found on Matsada, 2,000 years old, the hair and the teeth were practically in perfect condition. Because Matsada, desert, the climate, very little rain, dry climate, it was amazing what they found. The hair was perfect. The teeth, quite recognizable. So this is an absolute perfect way. It's a simon mufak. No two people have the same tooth development or the same tooth chart combined with a vadzichro you have the built-in sveik sveika. Now, Eli Blaustein you know what they do in the army? The first day, Uri Yatikson is going to the army. I met him at the Koto. I was trying to cheer him up. I told him the, word, the best words I've ever heard in my life when I went into the army a lifetime ago you kids were in diapers at the time so the words were told to me never forget, as hard as basic is, gamzeya avar you understand? And I told him, take it with a smile. I never had a more enjoyable period in my life than basic training. I can tell you honestly, I Xeroxed and carried in my pocket the Ish Halakha of the Rav. I had tried studying the Ish Halakha four times before. And I struck out each time like Mickey Mantle, a wild man, came nowhere near understanding. That basic training... I won the award for the Chayal Mitztayin and concomitantly I mastered Ishalacha. That was when I grew up. <laughs> what, 
Why the applause? Think of a guy that flunked five times before. I, I'm basic, but it was fabulous. I folded into my pocket. I had a Xerox copy. And then, Ishalachau is Yekam, Metziyot. You had to have the original Talpia printing. No one had it. No one reprinted it. The Rub was still a tyrant, was still a perfectionist. And I carried it with me. So, basic is basic. But you know what they do the first day? First day in the army, they give you a whole group of shots. And then... They sit you in a chair and some chayelet shots your teeth. There's a dental technician there and she and, and she's a dental face stenographer and the technician looks in your mouth like a horse and they announce Aleph Bet, Aleph Gimel, Aleph Duda, heck knows what they're announcing, but there's a whole teeth chart and that goes into your permanent fall. That is one method of identification. Now, the other method he deals with here is fingerprints. And fingerprints, generally speaking, you can take fingerprints from a dead man. Obviously, your problem is when a missile hits a tank and all you have is dust and ashes, their fingerprints are not shayach, although teeth may be found. It's interesting that even if it's burning and there's fire, the teeth may very well survive. Fingerprints will not. But in other cases, you'll have fingerprints. Fingerprints, he quotes, by the way, from Harpades, where it was originally discussed in the United States. Fingerprints, 100% simon muvhak. No two people have the same fingerprints. And as a matter of fact, I just learned that the murder last week ago, I think it was a week ago Sunday, that horrible, terrible murder up north of that young couple about to become engaged, hiking in, the, in near Afula and Megiddo and in the, in, 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 the, in the preserves there, Lower Lane. How did they solve it so quickly? I mean, the Israeli police, this was fabulous to solve it so quickly. And I was told that they found fingerprints of the Arab that, that did the murders they found his fingerprints in the some of the plitim, some of the objects they gathered from the area. They complimented the people who searched the area thoroughly because it seemed someone found a little something that had his fingerprint on it. And because this Arab had been arrested before, had been in trouble with the law before, not uh, with any uh, nationalistic reasons, but other reasons, whatever it was, they had his fingerprints and they were able to get to him within 24 or, or what was it, within 48 hours of the murder. So you can see fingerprints are an absolute simen mufak. Uh, tviyot et spot. Tviyot et spot. Okay. Now we continue with Rav Avadja. We're now in Simon Dalad. We've shifted from Simon Gimel to Simon Dalad. Yes, the, the DNA, we'll, we'll come to that at the very end. DNA is absolute perfect. It's a simon mufak. It's, it's, uh, it's, it may even be, t- it could even be, it's, it's fabulous. Yeah, yeah, but there were other people is like one out of a hundred thousand. You understand? It's, uh, that, with that, with a vadzichro is a treidube, which is, uh, which is overwhelming. Because remember, when you're dealing with DNA, this person is missing and the DNA shows that he's part of this family. In that case, to worry that you hit upon the one one millionth of it, it's not shayach, it's not possible. I mean, uh, uh, it's an it's an absolute low of a thousand percent. And if that's not enough, because Yochayshish Maim Shem Lam Sof, if that's what you're implying, so you have Treyuba, you have a Vadzichro. Okay. Now, Simon Dalid, as far as I know, is the first major tshuva to deal with airplanes being blown up in the sky by missiles. And as I mentioned to you, 
this was a terrible problem in the Yom Kippur War. It, it, it changed the course of modern warfare, and some of you know that a Hasidic guy, I believe I mentioned it, and the papers allowed part of it to surface a few years ago. They still don't identify him, but a Hasidic Jew in B'nai Brak, a Gera Hasid, who never went to elementary school, changed the course of modern warfare. He's the greatest expert in the world on missiles, anti-missiles, and he came up with a system that in the Lebanese war, the Israeli Air Force did not lose one plane to a missile. The only plane that went down, some of you know the father-in-law of the pilot, it was Pro- Professor David Hartman's son-in-law, who was killed, Lawalainu. the plane went down due to malfunction. It was on patrol, it went down due to malfunction, not because it was hit by a missile. Lawalainu, this is the tragedy with planes, with cars. If there's a malfunction, there's a malfunction. But no plane was lost. We knocked close to 100 Syrian planes out of the air. I think the official number was 86. We didn't lose one plane to the Syrian missiles. And that's due to a Hasid in B'nai Brak, a genius of geniuses. So much so that whenever he met with the top echelon of the Air Force, no women were allowed into the room. It's just as you know, Gerach Hasidim, I'm not here, not here to advocate the way Gerach live. Uh, to me, it's abnormal, but I have to respect them. I've seen Gerach Hasidim with my own eyes. I don't want to go into it now. Jack knows I have a whole talk on it. Uh, I've seen Gerach with my own eyes. Gerach Hasidim, if women are in the room, they shiver, they shake. They, they, they just, it's a different world. I have to respect them. I don't agree with them. I think I, I, I don't want to educate like that. I don't want to live like that. But if you know what a general means, when a general enters the room, he has his aide de camp, he has his secretary, inevitably, there are one or two with him that are an intrinsic part of the group around the general. When that player entered the room, all women were out. And no one said blue because the future of the state of Israel rests in that Hasidish guy's hands. And it's an unbelievable story and his name has not been allowed to be published until today. Although security did allow a whole article in Marav a few years ago where they described the man, his lifestyle, where he lives and how he would be, they'd send a car to him to take him to the Matkal. And it shows you that school is a waste of time. All that happens in, no, school is a waste of time. I remember when I went to Yeshiva College and I took German with Ralph Rosenberg, Zichrona Levracha, and there was one wise aleck in the class that showed up at the start of the year for the first class, the second class came back in June for the final. And Professor Ralph Rosenberg said to him, you chutzpinik, you cut every class. He says, take the final, let's see what you know. And lo and behold, the guy got the highest mark in the class, 98. When Rosenberg was giving back the papers, he says, how did this happen? You attended only two classes. And the guy with a straight face looks at Ralph and says, Professor, that's what cost me my 100. (laughs) Gentlemen, back here. The two classes he attended, the, the, the set, the, the, the professor uh, messed up his knowledge. What do you want? He didn't go to elementary school, didn't go to high school, didn't go to college, and, and he changed the course of modern warfare. Excuse me? The guy? No, they won't release it. I'm telling you. It's re- oh, it's Professor Ralph Rosenberg. The story is apocryphal. Rosenberg told the story at the start of the year. Please, the name of the student. 
journalists in the 1950s, we still had a sense of humor. It's before art school, you understand? You guys, uh, uh, Sharamit Meisman writes a memoir, your rebellion put the memoir on Cherem, that for the first time a book came out about the Dole Yisrael, where they're real people. You read Atzkel, Atzkel's generic. Put Reb Moshe's name, Reb Yaakov's name, Reb Aaron Cutler's name, it doesn't matter who. Then you, you just put the name in, you read the book, finished. The Shulamit Meisman wrote a memoir, the Salavitchik Heritage, Danny Yalkov's Rebbe on the other side of the ocean was shaking. Simon Dalit, let's go, excuse me? Uh, listen, Zoman Zangezunt, uh, Zoman Zangezunt, I don't know what happened here with my watch, but anyway, let me just follow it. That, let, let, let me move. That memoir was a beautiful memoir. It's a real live memoir, and you can understand from that memoir, you can understand the love and the relationship with Beb Shmuel. I, I knew all the people, I knew them, I knew all the players, and that memoir put everything into focus for me. But let's continue. Ailey, Ailey, that petty Lashon Hara that you call Ramesh's temper explained to anyone who studied with the Rav how the Rav had his temper. You understand? Now I understand. It, was a, it also explained the Feinstein family, Rebellion Prusina, why his children, were, the sons were so enlightened, they went, they, went to, they went to Berlin with the Rav. It explained that whole relationship. But remember, it's only 270 pages. You want to know more about the Rav, you have to read. Uh, Rakefit's uh, uh, a waste of, uh, of uh, 650 pages. Two, uh, look how much they chopped down. You know how many trees were chopped down to produce the 10,000 volumes that are now leaving the bindery tomorrow? Simon Ballad. Gentlemen. Maisa, Maisa Baliadenu. Rabbi tells the following story. A plane, a plane was hit by an enemy missile in the air. The plane exploded and fell into the sea. And the pilot was not seen bailing out, jumping out, parachuting. The name of the pilot, Kimmel period, pay period. From that moment on, no one has heard from this person who was in the plane. Now, first of all, I went through the book on uh, the people missing from the people killed in the Yom Kippur War. The only name, Gimel Pei, that it could be, I believe I've identified him, is Gershon Funk. It has to be in English, F-U-N-K. The reason I hit upon that name, it's Gimel Pei. He was the only Gimel Pei with enough of a rank to be a pilot of a plane. He was a captain. He was a he was a seren. And in order to be a pilot of a plane, you have to be a first lieutenant at the least. More basically, you would be a captain or a major. So the only one with Gimel Pei. So maybe I'm doing a chesed with the dead, with the brave by figuring out his name. Now, what does it mean he didn't parachute? See, if you see him parachuting, then immediately you have the problem, maybe he's still alive. Maybe he made it safely. If you don't see him parachuting, it means that plane that crashed in the water, he was on it. Now, here Alvaja goes into uh, Air Force concepts, and this is just amazing.
Chef Gosselin. Matt Brenner. Matt, this is just amazing, Matt. When you fly a plane, you don't fly alone. Fighters fly in formation. And when they're in formation, each plane has to be in constant touch with the ground and in constant touch with each other, Matt. And he describes that the Tayas of the plane that was in his squadron right next to him told the story I went out with my friend Gimel Pei. We were in two different planes. We were to attack the anti-plane missile batteries of the Egyptians. We flew together as a pair. We were into attack position and we hit the target. When we turned around and crossed the Suez Canal, returning, two missiles were fired by the Egyptians at our planes. One exploded in the air in back of my plane, didn't harm it, but the second one scored a direct hit on my friend Gimel Pei's plane. I heard it explode. I saw the plane fall into bits and pieces. I called on my radio to Gimel Pei, and he didn't answer me. Everything I saw, all the parts of the plane, fell into the city. I looked around as much as I could to see whether a parachute was opening, maybe Gimel Pei was jumping, but I didn't see anything. I didn't see him at all. He never left the plane as far as I could tell. The distance between us was so close because we were in squadron formation that had he jumped out of the plane, I absolutely would have seen it. And then he says, this again, I mean, this is amazing, in the Chiva, this of course is Air Force procedure, the Mineral's plane went down, I radioed in, and a helicopter came to search the area where the plane fell. The helicopter went back and forth. I'll quote, Hello, Sarak, Ketevet HaSviva, Velo Nimtza, Kozeichel HaMatos, Velo Letayas Hanal. And that's his description. That's exactly, that's Air Force procedure. When Rana Rod's plane went down, I think you know that the, air, that the helicopter came in and they're able to rescue, it was a, it, it, it was a Skyhawk and it has a two-person crew. They're able to rescue the other person. It was just Rana Rod's bed muzzle that they couldn't get to him. You see, in, 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 in a war, a, a split-second decision affects everything. It's, uh, that's a Ben Adam. A Ben Adam, uh, it's like in, if you know the story of Sultan Yaakov, the boys were under attack all night. Ehud Barak was then the Aluf Pikura Safon, and there was an intelligence report that never reached his desk or he never read it. It was a terrible, terrible mistake. But... Lower Leno, I hate to say this, but everyone makes mistakes in life. A doctor makes mistakes, you bury the patient. A rabbi, a, a, a rabbi makes mistakes, his Talmud becomes a reform uh, leader, etc. A general makes mistakes, people are killed. 
So these boys went into the trap and all night they were under attack. And in the morning, they finally worked out a plan how to get them out. I don't want to go into details. It was a, a, a tremendous plan where the Israeli long toms shot up on either side of the tanks and the tanks could move out. And what happened was when they were getting the instructions, the person giving the instructions was telling the tanks which way to go. And he was all excited. And the person said, small twice. And the tank that's, that Feldman... Cats and Balmuran, they took it literally small, small. They went left and then left. They only had to go left once. That misunderstanding of going left the second time was the end because then they fell right into the Syrian troops. Had they gone left and not made the second left as was intended, but they misunderstood the person. It's a war going on. You're not sitting in the classroom where you can lean back and poke fun at Shalamat Meiselman's book. You understand this is a war. Bullets are flying. Lights are on the line. He said small, small. And that he meant small once. It's just unbelievable. So, the, the, till today, we don't know what happened to those boys. The boys that went small, every last one got out, including many of my students were in that unit. It was a Hesda unit. Many BMT graduates were in that particular unit had gone on to do Hester here, and we're in that tank unit. And and here you have the description, the helicopter came in, the helicopter searched, and no one was found. The plane was gone in the Suez Canal. No pilot was on shore. No pilot was in the water. No parachute was anywhere to be seen. And now he has to do what Roger says, now we have to deal with the Aguna. Okay. So Rabbi Vajra gets involved now with an entire analysis. And first of all, how much can you depend upon the testimony of the other person in the other plane? How much can you take what he's saying as face value? And here you get involved with the problem we spoke about last year, Bidadami. It's a Gemara at the end of Yavamat. What does Bidadami mean? And I explained this in great detail last year. Look, Chazal say, Adam Nindon Bekiso Bekaso Bekoso. And you all understand it. Who are we? What are we? We're all sitting here. Matt is sitting here, very respectable young man. I don't know if Matt is really respectable. But he's sitting here in a classroom, he's sitting here in public, he's respectable. Get him drunk, see what happens. When I learned in Lakewood, the only time in my life that I ever was drunk was Simchas Torah in Lakewood. And I can tell you that when the boys got drunk, all that came out of their mouths was Divrei Torah. It was amazing. Drunk, they're drunk. Divrei Torah. So, Get drunk once in your life and see what you speak about. We'll talk about that on the Rabbi Salavechi course later this year. Okay, that's Koso. Kiso, very important. The Merlin Baba Bhatra talks about Eev. Eev, was he generous? Wasn't he generous? Avram Avinu, was he generous? Wasn't he? person should be generous. Judge a person by money. You want to know when a girl is out on a date with a boy and she wants to know whether this man is worth anything, 
And you know, you all put on facades when you're dating, you're wearing masks, it's a lot of blufferai. There's one, one of the tests, all the girl has to do is watch the way the young man she's sitting with, how he treats the waitress who is saving them. Watch. Does he treat the waitress with respect? Does he speak down to her? Does he treat it like a shifra kananit? How much of a tip does he leave? Believe me, if he's a tightwad with the waitress, the girl should say to him, Chaim, it was a pleasure dating you. I just got a call from Mayor Zitang. He wants a Shin Gemara. I'm taking a slow boat to China. I'll see you in 84 years. Papa. And that's what Chazal mean. Adon Nidon Bikiso. Okay. What does it mean, Bikaso? Bikaso is very important. Gentlemen, listen to me carefully. Tension. When life, life, Matt, when life is smooth, we're not under tension. We can be benevolent, we can be kind, we can be generous, we can be decent. Tension? Something has gone wrong? Frustration? A car doesn't start? The plane is late? Whatever the reasons are. Ah, then the true person comes out. And what the Gemara was chayshish for, the dummy, is, is literally life. What does life mean? A battlefield. You're tense. Bullets are flying. Planes are bombing. Anti-aircraft is shooting. You know what the noise level is on a battlefield? Do you have any idea when guns are shooting and we are all that the army gives you to put in your ears? you have any hasaga what a battlefield is like today? Tanks, planes, guns, pirates. So, how can you be reliable? But the dummy, maybe the guy's imagining it. It's a tremendous problem. The Gemara and Yavamad already raised it. That at a time of warfare, the average person is not necessarily believed. Here of Avadja says so beautifully that the pilot can be absolutely believed. Why? Because part of flying in a squadron, his very responsibility is keeping track of the other plane. Here already, it's not something that happens suddenly, but the dummy means a bullet hits the guy next to me. Well, I'm not watching, I wasn't looking, I'm not supposed to look, I'm not supposed to watch, I have to look ahead, I have to shoot ahead, I'm not allowed to look to my side, I took a quick look, I, I glanced, the war is going on. Here with pilots, it's part of their responsibility, you follow me, Ellie? Here you're dealing where you're, where you're called to water, to look, to know, to remain in touch. So, the fact that he said the plane was hit, the plane went down and he never saw anyone open a parachute. This itself is very important testimony. In addition, you have the uh, helicopters. The helicopters already are not the dummy. The helicopters are sent on purpose to check, to search, to look. Ah, here it's not even shaykh to say with the dummy because this is their job. You understand? What does with the dummy mean? You're not called upon. You're shooting. Five guys have a position. Each guy has to look ahead. Each guy has to see if there's enemy. Each guy has to shoot. Each guy has to look for the tank. Each one has their job. The whole purpose of the helicopter is a search and rescue party. Allah kama the, the dummy, the dinyon, imagining, does not apply. 
So Rav Ovadia says, here we have a double rove. Number one, the majority of people that are on a plane that's hit by a missile, the plane explodes in the sky, the overwhelming majority are dead. And even if you'll say that perhaps he bailed out and jumped into the water, the majority of people who jumped into the water from a plane high in the sky that's exploding, they drowned. You have a double majority, a double rove. And he brings down a chiva from, uh, from a Turkish posek from an earlier generation. Very fascinating where a person was goseis. I mean, I don't know how, in Metziah, how this could happen. He says, goseis penultil and mitah. And while he was in this condition, he fell into a river. Maim Shainla himself. He drowned. I don't know how it could happen unless someone pushed him. Maybe they wanted to take him out of his agony. Euthanasia. You see, there's... But, but Rebbe Vajra says, how are they mata there? They never found the body. How are they matter there? And Eli and Eli, how are they matter? They were matter trei rube. One rove, the majority of gosasim, lemita. Second rove, the majority of nitpaim, people that drowned, lemita. And Allah had kama vakama, where you have a vadzichro. Where you have a vadzichro, you not only have prey rubei, you have shalosh rubei. And Rabbi Vadya says, Allah at kama vakama, you can be mekil in the circumstances of the question that he got. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Danny? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Right. Yeah, uh, you, you, yeah, you, you, yeah, you're, you're, you're asking, you're asking a good question. You're asking a good question. You know, that at war, you always that but the dummy is always a frightening thought because I've seen a battlefield, and it's a very real shash, a very real shash. In other words, I've seen the battlefield before, and I've seen the battlefield after. A battlefield before is very organized. Everything is in place. You have the. Fr- you you got to remember. When you talk in terms of a battlefield, the actual frontline soldiers that are doing the fighting are maybe one-fifth one of the total soldiers. Behind them you have the field hospital. Behind them you have communications. You know what I'm talking about? Tremendous trucks with all types of communications and aerials. Behind them you have tremendous water trucks, supply trucks. You know, it's very, very organized. When you look at it, Two days later, I came to Damur, a day after the big battle ended there in the 82 war, everything is helter-skelter. They have to regroup, realign, and what they leave behind, and, you, and, and it, you're absolutely right. Bid the dummy. But I'll tell you, and this Rebbe Vajra stresses too, he goes into great detail here, this is the whole end of the Tshuva. You see, and this is something we spoke about last year, in all these Psakim, it's not like Yantav Shani. Yantav Shani, Common sense plays no role. Yantav Shani is a halachic question. It has nothing to do with common sense. 
using an automatic elevator on Shabbos has nothing to do with common sense. It's a pure halachic question. You have to deal with halachic per- parameters. Gerut. I was asked on Shabbos, what's your opinion about a joint based in? It's unbelievable. He's a from people, a joint based in. By very definition, if there's a reform and conservative rabbi, it's worthless. Because what you're saying to the would-be convert is, you have perfect free choice. You can be reformed, conservative, orthodox, traditional, reconstructionist. Pay your nickel and take your choice. That's not Kabbalah or mitzvah. You see, here common sense plays no role. But Agunav is probably the only area in Halacha where the Akronim all say common sense is very important. And you have to feel the person is dead. We spoke about this last year. Once you feel the person is dead, then you have to try to justify your position halachically. Now, with all that you say about the dummy, and it's Eid Echad, and it's Eid Echad at a time of war, but there's one tremendous factor here. And that is Avad Zichro. And Rav Avadja says, here he goes in at the end of the Triva, for the exact reasons, Danny, that you raised. And he says, no matter what we want to say here, no matter how many robes we can come up with, but the Avad Zichro is overwhelming. And this was the Gemara. Remember we spoke about last year. Rav Avadja speaks about the The Gemara attempts to say, that a Talmud Chacham has a call. In other words, again, I don't, I don't, I don't want to redo. If Halavai should listen to my Joe DiMaggio eulogy when I deal with Algion Frito. But I had, a, I had a very important point then. I made that point again last Tuesday night in the context of, of Rosh Hashanah and the Mishnu, the Kobe Alam of Rimlafon of Kivnei Maron. So what is that telling us? Each one of us counts before God, even though we're not earth-shaking people. Okay? But a Joe DiMaggio, this is an earth-shaking person that everyone knows about. Every move he makes is watched. The Gemara says in relation to it, it could be, we don't pass in this way, it could be, it's a Havimina, that it's Tzavadarabbanon, if he survives, the world knows about it. So back there, the Avad Zichro becomes even stronger. So if he would have survived, if a Talmud Chacham went to Batni, he doesn't come back, the whole world would know if this man survived. He cannot go unnoticed. Remember, Rabbi Moshe has a trip I showed you last year of a great Talmud Chacham whose widow reached America and uh, what well, he left out the name. I'll never know the name. I'll never know. I wrote to Rabbi Moshe Davatam never even answered my letter. You know what? I have a habit. If I get a letter, I don't know the answer. I write. I don't know the answer. This way, we never even got an answer. But all right, it's part for the course. Uh, uh, that's the, no. Most people are like that. Adam Nidon Bekiso Bekaso Bekaso, and the way he relates to letters. So, uh, so listen to me carefully. Rebbe Vajir says that Bizman Hazer, every human being has a din of Tzuvah the Rabbanon. We're all Tamidi Chachamim because we can correspond, we can pick up a phone. And he says, Bizmanenu Shakliat Shorat Kitpatru Biyata Sa'ait Biyata Oz, Had Telephone, Alchut, Had Mivraka, Itonim, Radio. Televisia, oh my gosh, television mentioned in responsive literature. Oh my gosh, when Artscroll translates this into English, this word will be, two words will be blocked out. Radio and television. Itonim, in parentheses, hamodia, or yetetneaman, chas v'chalila, not anything else. And you have this in every land. And he says, 
that if this is the case, the Avadzichrovadzich says, if it's a million times stronger, and, 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 I, I, these are, let me end off with Avadzich's words, v'chengireh, sh'rabotainu talu hadabal chachmei hadar, v'yorei shemayim, sh'yaskilu alinyan ha'ma'ora bidoram, and he says, this is what the Chachamim want out of us. In every generation, we have to view it. And this goes back to Rav done. What was, remember last year? What was his big proof? The Gemara says, Mind she'en himself asur. But it doesn't say, asur li'olam. And if this is the case, Rav says, it means that in every generation the Chachamim can reevaluate in accordance with the reality of life. And Allah had come up a come in this generation with all the sense and communication. The, the, the umdana of, of Avatzechra was so powerful that you can be it with the other Rubei or the other Sveikot. Even though it's true, what Danny said is right. It's warfare, it's Bidadami, but nevertheless, one thing is certain. The plane exploded, the plane didn't return, the pilot never returned, the majority of people on the plane, the majority of people who land in the ocean. He goes on and on. But above all, the umdada the muhak of Rableza Mevradun. My dear friends, this is Rabovaja. Now, we've come into a new world. We've come into modern warfare. Bezrat Hashem, next time we meet, which is going to be a year from now, we'll pick up exactly with the warfare, the Air Force, another two major trivat to come out of the Israeli Defense Forces, both written by men that I knew and know, both written by Talmudi Chachamim, both written by Rabbanim, who achieved high rank in the Israeli army. This chapter is not over. We still have a lot that we have to do. I have to finish out the army. I have to finish out the Zim boat that sunk in the early 80s. And I have to finish out the unbelievable Chava, the first time that I know of that the Mafia makes responsa literature. Gentlemen, coming attractions. To reiterate, what did we do today? Bezrat Hashem Barach. We finished out Ravavaja. We finished out the fingerprints. We finished out the tooth chart. We dealt with the photographs, uh, the, 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 the diagrams of the moon, the diagrams or the color of the ketamim, the blood. We dealt with the missile hitting the plane, the Yom Kippur War an epic-making tshuva of Rav Ovadji Yosef, and the umdudu the muchach, modern times, literally a sheet of the chuyin rishonim, becomes written in golden letters. Gentlemen, let me ask you about tomorrow morning. What time will you be finished davening? Can I begin at 9 o'clock sharp, or should I make the shir a little bit later? What's the story with slichas? I... I can begin at 9. Beautiful. Gentlemen, next Sunday is Rosh Hashanah. Monday is Som Gedalia. I'll say Shein Som Gedalia. Can I begin at 9 or should I make the Shein 9.30?
can you do me a favor? Uh, should make it 9.30? That's what David Miller said. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, Tzom Gedalia, the shear will be 9.30. That is the last shear until a week after Sukkot Shmini Atzeres Simchas Torah ends. Because you all know it ends on a Sunday. Monday, some of you will be traveling back. But the week afterwards, we'll pick up. Now, i got to tell you about tomorrow's shi. I have to, because this, we've got to live honestly. i got to be able to sleep at night. Gentlemen, you have one problem that disturbs me. You are living in the 90s. We spoke about the 50s. You guys, like many wonderful students, take for granted everything is coming to you. Tomorrow is the rub. It's insight, la brillante, it's depth, it's overwhelming, it's America, it's, it's the Rishay Haaretz, the B'nai Basa. Now, tomorrow cannot go for nothing. Gentlemen, tomorrow is a $10,000 shear. Anyone who comes to shear, Jack will record it in the big book. I owe you, Rebbe, $10,000 for giving me over the Rav's Torah. I've never taken a penny from a student in 41 years of teaching. I am allergic to money. But, Ellie, you got to feel tomorrow, Rebbe, I appreciate the Rav's Torah. I don't want you to dance in here like you're hearing a lecture on the rice problem in China. This is my Rebbe that I'm giving over you tomorrow with all my heart and soul. Until we meet again in health and happiness, Das Vadanya. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rebbe. I got an email for you today, yesterday, from David Yeah, how is it? He wanted to know what your email address was. So I told him there's no email in the 1950s. You got he it. He doesn't know from email. You got so it. I said I would convey his wishes for Exodus and Tevatia. Thank you. Thank you. And I spoke to my brother, who just started YU. Right. And he told me he has the Joe DiMaggio tapes in his room with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, but I'm so sorry. They didn't record. I did the Yom Neroyim work. I thought you only speak when they record. I made a mistake. I should have. That's a bunch of women there. You know, women there. But I had a, they had a mob scene. Where guys different the army. I don't know who they were. Handsome guys. My wife said, find out their names. We'll make sure to them. I don't know. Maybe they were married. I don't know. Officers. They were writing away, taking notes. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania last year for the Hawaii Summer Colo. Fabulous. 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 Ah. Ruven Bachlik. Are you married? Yes. Beautiful. Children? No. Not yet. And your wife is from where? Woodman. What's her maiden name? Dubin. Which Dubin family? Uh, the, her grandparents go to the Young Israel of, uh, young Israel of Kigarin Hills, or Shunfeld's Shul. Her grandfather wasn't a Rebbe, was he? A Malamid? No. Dubin. No, not the Dubin's of Farakway, Bayswater, or Harnoff. And where did she go to school? Yeah. Very nice. And, and, and she can live with your being a...